0: Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. We're gonna jump in to a new service or a new series this week. And I'm excited for this one. It's called Multiply. And and this this series is all about discipleship. And, And discipleship, as we'll talk about today, was Jesus's model this is what what his plan was for the expansion of his kingdom and and the church the body of Christ and so we're going to talk about this this Multiplication through discipleship, and and before you kind of before we jump in, I kind of want you to just take a moment and let all your preconceived notions of what discipleship is, and just kind of let them just lay them down, because sometimes we hear that word and and we we're kind of like, oh, not discipleship again, right? It's this 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 thing that we're supposed to do in church. But I think through this series, we're going to get ignited again for true biblical discipleship and for how it is, it is his plan. It is on God's heart, the Father's heart, and, and Jesus' heart to see discipleship awakened. And in Matthew 28, we talk about it almost every week. The Great Commission was go and make disciples of all nations. And I think we need to learn how to do that. And so we're going to talk about how, how Jesus... Uh, interacted with his disciples and learned some keys about that in just a few minutes. Often we think of discipleship as the teacher-student relationship or, or maybe how we get someone to act like a Christian or some program that we go through that helps us to, to level up in our walk with Jesus. And, and to some degree, there, there's parts of those things that are discipleship, but it's so much more the whole the, the purpose of, of discipleship, we called it multiply for our series, but the, the purpose of discipleship is for reproduction. That the, the person discipling gets reproduced in the disciplee. You look at how Jesus interacted with the disciples, what he was doing, his character, his nature, his power, all of those things he was trying to instill in his disciples so that they could represent him to the earth. And sometimes we've reduced discipleship to, to teaching and information transfer or behavior modification. But but the point is that, that we are to reproduce ourselves in another person. Paul put it this way in his, his first letter to the Corinthians. This is starting in verse 15, and I think we'll have it on the screen. If you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul, he he was telling the Corinthians, imitate me. And he was sending Timothy, one of his disciples, one of the the men who had traveled with him, who who knew how he lived his life and what he taught, to help them to to imitate him as he imitated Christ. And and, and an interesting thing about this, Paul equated this instruction, this this teaching, this discipleship with, with this idea of family, fatherhood. He, would, he, he called himself a father to them. Discipleship and, and family are closely related. Pastor Jaina mentioned this at the, the end of her message last week. I said this about a year and a half ago. We did a, a series called Family Matters, and, and I, I said a statement that is still challenging me to this day, that the most important disciples that you make are the ones that live inside your own home. And the ones that you make outside of your home should be, should have this this element of, of a familial relationship. They should be like family. Discipleship was never meant to be a business like transaction, a business like relationship. It should be like family. And we talk about community a lot and it's a bit of a Christian buzzword right now, and it's, and it's so important, and so, so don't, don't think I'm not saying it's important, but sometimes I think when people are looking for community, what they're actually searching for is discipleship, for being discipled, and they work hand in hand. Let me give you this. Community gives you a sense of belonging, and discipleship gives you a sense of purpose. Community provides connection, and discipleship creates transformation. Let me say that again. Community gives you a sense of belonging, and discipleship gives you a sense of purpose. Community provides connection, and discipleship creates transformation. And so they work hand in hand. I recently read an an article that was studying the, the historical and cultural context around discipleship in Jesus's time and how the way that he discipled compared with the Jewish traditions that were around him. And I, I don't have time to go into all of that, but there's this, this conclusion in, in, in the closing of this paper that I want to present to you, and it, and, it, and it challenged me. It said, basically, the author said, discipleship should be the main foundation for everything that apostles do. So if we want to be an apostolic church, one that raises people out up and sends them out, discipleship needs to be at the foundation of everything that we do. And so today, like I mentioned, I want to take a look at a few different passages of Scripture and how Jesus interacted with his disciples and and, and kind of just draw some foundational ideas and some keys about discipleship Later on in this series, we'll go through more like practical aspects of discipleship and things like this. But here, I just want to, I just want to draw some, some keys out of Jesus's life and, and how he, he interacted with, with his disciples. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. And many of you are familiar with this. This is when, when Jesus called uh, a handful of the disciples, the, the fishermen, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's a pretty interesting passage. And and it brings us to the way that Jesus approached these disciples that he was calling. And and one of the keys that I wanna talk about right now is that, that discipleship requires intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident. You know, in John, Jesus said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. And so somehow he must have heard from his Father that these four fishermen were to be his disciples. So he was intentional about it. He went up to them, he approached them, and invited them to follow him. He invited them to be into, in, into relationship with him. And he didn't mince his words. He really didn't give them an out. He didn't say, well, if you, if you want to, you can come follow me. No, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it's interesting, I was thinking about this from the, the disciples' perspective. There, there must have been something they already heard about Jesus. You know, we have a little bit of context in Matthew chapter four that tells us that Jesus was in the area of uh, the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum and he was, he was preaching the word of God, right? And so maybe they, maybe they had heard something about him. Maybe they had even seen him. But when Jesus showed up and approached them, there must have been something on his life that said, I want to say yes to this man. And we, as people who are to disciple others, we need to carry the likeness, the character of Jesus we need to let the you know maybe it was the the actual glory of God that that was presented to them that was resting on Jesus that said something that said I want to drop everything that I have and follow this man and we as representatives of Christ as ones who are called a disciple he's got to be so alive in us he's got to be so alive in us that people want to follow him that people want to follow him. <laughs> I've been reading a book lately. It's called "Discipleship Begins with Beholding," and there's a simple concept in it that basically, if you fall in love with someone, if you are, if you are so fascinated with someone, that you're committed, right? They give the example of a young man who, who finds a woman that, that captures his attention, that, that her beauty captures him. And what does he do? He changes his whole life. Often you see, well, it happened to me, Like some of the things that I like to do did not matter anymore when I, when I um, found my wife Leah and decided that I wanted to pursue her. And it's the same with us. If we can, as people discipling others, if we can introduce them to Christ and and give them a chance to behold his beauty, his holiness, his power, his wonder, and they become fascinated with him, you've made a disciple. You've made a disciple, and you've made a disciple for life. And part of that. Is us representing Christ to them? We need to be representatives of Him. Going back to the story, so so the disciples immediately responded to Jesus and and dropped everything they had. They left their business, they left their family, and they were intentional with their response. This passage and. And what we learn about all of Jesus's interactions with the disciples also teach us another key, and that key is that discipleship is a sacrifice. The disciples gave up their life as they knew it to follow Jesus. And th- in thinking about it, Jesus probably had to, to give up things in his life, these, these moments, you know, us looking at his life and he's like, oh, Jesus, you could have done so much more ministry to the, to the crowds and the public but there were times when he actually spent time with the disciples to teach them and to, to show them and to spend time with them, knowing that the fruit that they were gonna bear in the long term was so much more worth what what could have been there in the moment. Discipleship will cost you some time. It might cost you some money. It will definitely cost you emotional and spiritual effort, and it will cost you vulnerability. All of those things will have to be paid, whether you're discipling or you're being discipled. But it's worth it. The sacrifice is worth it. Let's look at another passage from from Luke, starting in Luke chapter nine, starting in verse one, and we'll do one through six, and then 10 through 17. When Jesus had called the 12 together, his disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt, Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Let's jump down to verse 10. So when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, "'Send the crowd away so they can go "'to the surrounding villages and countryside "'and find food and lodging, "'because we are in a remote place here.' He replied, "'You give them something to eat.' They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied." And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. This is a, an interesting passage. And we see how, how Jesus interacted with his disciples in a unique way. We don't have real great context of the timing here. But at, at, at this point where we started reading in verse 1, Jesus talks to the disciples, gives them his authority, and sends them out to to all these places to to preach the gospel, to heal the sick. And we get a little bit of a report saying like, oh man, they did this stuff, so to speak, right? And and so they, they came back, and they reported to Jesus what had happened. And then sometime later, we have this, this interesting thing that Jesus does. He's, he's preaching to this large group of people. They're too far away uh, for everybody to get food. And so uh, what, what I'm seeing that Jesus did in this passage is after this, this time of great victory that the disciples had, of, of stepping out, of doing the stuff, he, he actually presented them with a challenge. And he says, Okay, here's another opportunity to upgrade in your faith. You just saw all these healings, you just preached the gospel, you saw, you you did what I do. Now I'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to, to do what I do in a greater level. I'm gonna upgrade your faith. And the point of that. You know, the, the disciples, I was thinking about this, they could have seen this moment and they said, well, we know the word. And before, you know, you, you could have just had manna show up, quail could have fallen down and flood the whole place and people could have had everything to eat. But what, what Jesus wanted to do, to do was actually co-labor with his disciples, right? He said, you give them something to eat. And he, gave the, he blessed the food and gave it to them to distribute to all the people. And it was this important lesson uh, for the disciples in like, oh, there's more to this, right? I, I, my, the, the Jesus that we serve can work miracles in, in all areas. And so what was Jesus doing there? In the, in the first part of it, in sending out the disciples, he was empowering them. Discipleship is empowerment. Can you imagine in in that first part of the passage, you know, sometime later, after Jesus had died on the cross, and maybe even between that time and when the Holy Spirit fell on them in in Pentecost, and, and Jesus. And they're thinking about that time when Jesus sent them out and said, and, and they had to, to look back at that and say, oh, we can do this, right? Like, like Jesus sending out the disciples to, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick was not only for him to see in them what he, what he um, gave to them, what he reproduced in them, but also for them to see in themselves what they were capable of. Does that make sense? And, and so they have this moment, and then think about when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and Peter starts preaching the word boldly, and many people come, and the, the church starts exploding. It goes back to that, that, that time before where Jesus empowered them so they realized what they were capable of. And so he empowered them, but then when, when, when the time came for them to, to partner with him in a miracle, he challenged them. So discipleship has these these two keys. They have empowerment and they have challenge. And let me submit this to you. If If you're not being challenged in your faith, in your walk with Jesus, then you might not be being discipled. Discipleship requires challenge. Discipleship, with challenge and and with empowerment, sometimes it can go in the opposite spirit. And I just wanna address that for a moment. Discipleship is not control. And we've had movements in, in church history that have had fringe elements that used discipleship to control others and to set up rigid structures and formulas. But that's not what discipleship is about. Discipleship, just like parenting again, it's about guiding, and it's about empowering. It's about challenging. Amen? All right. Let's look at our last passage. Luke chapter 10. I think we'll have it up on the screen here. Starting in verse 17. So this is when, when Jesus sent out a, a wider circle of disciples. Uh, it's the 72, it will go back to, there you go. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus, this is the part that I like, full of joy in the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So in this passage, Jesus had sent out the 72. He had commissioned them and had them prepare the way for him to go into these different places. And again, just like with the 12, Jesus gave them a measure of his authority, the full measure of his authority, and they must have seen great signs of wonders just with how they came back and reported them. They were they were excited, right? And, and then we, we see this, it's kind of funny to me. Jesus had this teaching moment. It's like, okay, I saw, this is awesome. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know, rejoice in that your names are 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 written in heaven. That you're going to have eternal life. But then we see him like happy, right? He's full of joy in the Holy Spirit because of of what these seventy two had done when he sent them out. And and in that moment, he did one of the, I think, critical aspects of discipleship that sometimes we. We forget about, and that is is that discipleship creates celebration. Discipleship creates celebration. It it's it's a joyful thing to see you know someone that you've poured your life into step out and, and and do the things that we read about in the word of God and to, to come alive in Christ and, and to step out in their callings and giftings, like it's, it's a joy. And it, it's something that's worth celebrating. And I think that's something that, that we've missed along the way is that, that discipleship is celebration. And this is a, a transition that I wanna make right now is I wanna do, a, I wanna celebrate discipleship today by bringing up the discipleship students. So if you guys wanna come up. Oh, they're clapping, there you go. So these are the discipleship school students. We've got most of them here. We have 12 total. Why don't you come up and just line up behind me here. So we're gonna gonna talk about uh, our mission trip Uh, which we, yeah, thank you, scoot down. (laughs) We're gonna talk about our mission trip. So during uh, Holy Week, from the 10th of April to the 15th, we came back on Good Friday, we did a mission trip. And we all went to um, South Bay area, which is South San Diego. And there we partnered with a a church called All People's uh, Church uh, South Bay uh, with a pastor Jonathan Lair, And our whole purpose there was basically just to go into the city to um, share the good news of Jesus, to, to pray for people, to invite them, to connect with the church, to, to love on people, and, and to, to do it together. And we got to do it together. And it was exciting. And so uh, we, we got in after a, 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 some issues with flights. We got there on, on Sunday evening, most of us, and, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we spent the, the majority of the day just out in different area, areas in the, in the city um, ministering to people, and it was amazing. And so what I wanna do is, is celebrate by having these guys share a few testimonies, and so you guys can hear them too. So I think we're gonna start with you, Rory. Are you good? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> if you know Rory, he's a he's an
1: encourager and he's a fun guy yes i am an encourager so well we went to uh, we were i was with dirk and cynthia and josiah i don't know where josiah is but we uh we went to um this mall we were walking around and we saw an easter bunny a guy dressed up as an easter bunny we we're like oh let's go over there so we went over there there's a woman two women and a guy and there was a photo shoot to be with the Easter Bunny. And I thought, hey, it'd be cool to get a shot with the Easter Bunny. So I gave him a card to go to Let's Taco about Easter, which we were handing out cards to. And we prayed for one lady and her back got completely healed. That was awesome. And, yep. And another woman, we prayed for her eyes. I forget her. What was her name? My God. But yeah, she, her bat or her eyes didn't get healed right away. But I do believe she got her eyes healed too. I, I have faith in that. So that was cool. And yeah, we were walking around the mall and I got to pray for some people. It was good. Kevin's Jewelers we went to. And um, I my brain is, okay. We went to Kevin's Jewelers and there was a guy named Abraham there. And Dirk and I, and we all prayed for him and he got saved right then and there. And then a few minutes later, his... uh. We're convinced that it's his mom, but he, he had a praying mom that's been praying him for months to be saved and all that. And then like a few, sec- a few seconds later, the phone rings, he goes over and he picks up, his eyes get all big, and he looks at Dirk and he's like, because we, we're convinced it was his mom. I mean, to mom he we told him to tell his mom he got saved. So we did that. And then Okay. Um we were at the church at all people's church and Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, he's a little shorter guy than me. A little bit. He's he's yeah. He's about I don't know how tall he is, but I'm I'm a he's about right here. I don't know. I I, I don't have judgment, okay? And it's not my problem. No, but um um I'm like I love to give people hugs if you've noticed I hug a lot of you. And <laughs> And I'm like, you know what I'm coming for. He looks at me and he's like, "No, I don't." Got so he got terrified, and I like just gave him a big hug, and then I gave everyone in the church hugs, and it was great. So that was that was what we got to do.
2: All right, um, my group this week. um, Oh, my name is Danny. Um, And um, I was with Pastor Nate, Sadie, and uh, Luke Mormon all week. And we go out on Monday, and we were um, struggling a little bit Monday morning. And uh, after lunch, we go down to the beach, and Sadie finds a sheep on the beach and starts talking about how how we found the one. Um, And after that, it kind of became a week of going after the one. Um and each day before we went out, we prayed and asked God um kind of who we wanted to go after, what he um to lay on our hearts words for people, um, descriptions um, of who we needed to be finding. And um Tuesday um before you know we were praying and we got some words for we had broken glass, we had um knees. Um, ACL MCL injury um, and we are walking downtown and we see an art shop that says art sale and me and Sadie being the artists that we are get really excited and we're like we're gonna go into this art shop and we there we meet um, Patricia and she um, was very excited uh, was talking about how um, they they their art shop ha- includes a lot of local artists and gets really, really excited when she when she finds out that Sadie and I are also artists and we get to talking. Um, and she starts telling us how they're uh, moving um, locations, they're gonna be moving into the mall. And we start telling her that we're there for missions, um, for all people's church, That and asked if we could pray for her for anything. And she got really, really excited, jumped into the middle of us and was like, absolutely. And starts telling us um, her life story and about how four years ago, um, somebody, she had a group that came in and, um, this woman introduced her to, um, God and introduced her to Jesus and how she was saved. Um, and then about three months ago, she said that some, a group from Seattle came in from also from all of peoples, um, and was inviting her to church and prayed with her and, um, And that she was so excited. She goes, now you guys are here. Um, And starts telling us about her son and how she's got this son that is um, just really struggling in life right now. And um, yeah, his name is Zachariah. And we got to um, pray with her about um, Zachariah and pour into her um, about being a mother and um, declaring life over his life. Um, and over his name, being Zachariah and being biblical and being a prophet. Um, and then we asked her about her knees if if she had a you know ACL MCL injury and she goes, actually I do in both of them. And we got to pray for healing over her knees. and um, she said, not a hundred percent, but they were much better um, after we prayed than what they were before we prayed. Um, and when, huh? Yeah, the glass in the shop was broken. She said that, um, so we hit ended up hitting two words um, while talking with her. She said that um, there um, a bunch of bars have been moving in um, on the street, and there's been a lot of vandalism. Um, shop next door started fire. They broke the glass in um, the front window of her shop. Um, and so, like, yeah, we just really got to bless her, got to invite her to um, come to church. She was very, very excited, and... Um, as we were on our way out, she said, if the church has any kind of energy like you guys have, I definitely need to go.
0: Yeah, it was cool just seeing how the Lord is orchestrating things. Like the broken glass in the shop, we didn't even connect that with the words of knowledge that we had asked for until later. And it's like, oh, that that was a setup from the Holy Spirit to go into that place. And we have several more. Uh, Angie's gonna share a story. Why don't you come out to the front so you're not hidden behind me.
3: Um, so I was with Crystal and Paige and Rick and Tracy, um, and we just, the whole week, there was a lot of grace on it, um, it was amazing, and, um, we were all in flow with each other, in tune with the Holy Spirit, and, uh, the first day started off with one of the best stories, um, we went around for, I think, maybe four hours or so, and at the end of it, felt like we should go back to the park that we started at, and just do some worship, and... Um, We came there and there were a few homeless guys sitting not too far away and Crystal, God bless her for this, waved at one of them and he waved back and me and Crystal and Paige looked at each other and felt like we need to go talk to him and we felt completely safe, we're just going to talk to that one that waved. Turns out he had a background of Christianity, got the feeling he didn't know God, he just knew about God. Um, but we prayed over him, had some prophetic words, and all the prophetic words we had for him, he just kept saying, how do you know that? How do you know that? We told him, it's not us, it's Holy Spirit. We're just listening to Holy Spirit and releasing it, and God's highlighting it because he cares about you and he wants to speak life into you. Um, also in that, I, so I, I've done praying and prophesying over random people, somewhat in public, but I had yet to lead anybody to Christ, And um, I also, in some ways, I'm a total germaphobe. In some ways, I'm the complete opposite of a germaphobe. And one of the ways that I'm kind of a a germaphobe, normally, homeless person, care about him, wouldn't want to touch him. Um, But I felt like I need to give him a $10 bill, touch his hands, prophetically pray over him, and I did that. And, um, And he also, this guy that people... Walk by. Some of them despise him. He noticed the presence of God, and he kept saying, "You're amazing. You're amazing. What is this?" And he could feel God's presence around us. And we told him, "Well, we're just we're gonna go over here now or over there now and worship and pray." And he said, "Can I come with you?" I'm like, "Yeah." We had about an hour and a half left till Pastor Nate was gonna pick us up. He just hung with us. Tracy played music on her phone. He let us use his Bluetooth speaker. Um, And I had my streamers and me and Tracy danced a little bit and prayed over him also a little bit more. And every single word we said over him, he just totally received it. I even had a word about him being a justice fighter. A little bit later, he puts on a hoodie that says Gotham Guardian. And I'm like, that's a sign. And he totally received that. And he's like, yeah. And at the end of it, when we had about a half hour left, I felt like I needed to say something and make sure he had Jesus because we're going to leave Hopefully he would go to all people South Bay or some church where he could get discipled and poured into and practical help. But, you know, we don't know. We had we were going to go. And so I asked him, well, do you want to God gave me the right words to ask them the right way about receiving Christ? Don't remember exactly what I said. And he said, yes. So I asked him, do you want to repeat after me? Do you want to I can give you a sample prayer? You can pour out your own heart. He said, no, I want to repeat after you. And I'm like, Okay, God, I know what salvation is, so I can do this right and um i'm actually glad now that i had not led anybody to christ before because one of the things randy clark i think talked about was don't just get people saved get them saved and delivered right away so many people become bored again and then fall away because they haven't been actually set free and they struggle and they don't know what's going on they don't understand spiritual warfare um i wish i had known that when i was first saved but so God led me to not just say a simple salvation prayer, but had me break some things off, some things based on what he said, some Holy Spirit. Everything he said was totally heartfelt. He was teary-eyed. It's um, hard not to joke up talking about it. And we were just like, you could feel heaven celebrating. And I even told that, like heaven is celebrating you. And, um, and then too, even like in spite of normally being a foam about this, I grabbed him and hugged him and he hugged right back. And also normally I might step out and do something out of compassion and later feel disgusting. I still didn't feel disgusting. Still didn't feel like I had to sanitize myself. That's awesome. So perfect love does drive out fear and Amen. you can be bold just Amen. like us.
0: Let's do one, maybe two more. Dirk, do you want to share about the woman with her family? The one, the one...
4: Hi, I'm Dirk Bixel, and this is my awesome wife, Cynthia. <clears throat> um, in San Diego, is a very large um, Latin community, and we, I felt very welcomed by the vast majority of them, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, you know, we had our little card. So, Pastor Jonathan from the All People's Church, which is not affiliated at all, he just, we're working for God's kingdom, which I really enjoyed. Um, so we pass out these little cards and invite them to the church for taco night, and which was, let's taco about Easter, to clarify. Which really kind of was fun because everyone would laugh just like you guys and kind of open up the door. Um, so we're walking along and, you know, we're all trying to be loved by the Spirit. And um, I just feel really drawn to go left. I just felt the fire of the Lord like something's over there. And it was a woman's uh, clothing store, you know. And uh, so I said, well, I just kind of stagger in there, and as farther you'd walk, you're just kind of walking to God's presence. And um, so we just walked in, and there was a lady, and let's talk about Easter card, and, and it just like, so how are you doing with the Lord? She's like, well, I've, you know, been doing the work, and I don't feel like I've worked enough to really be close with God. And I said, well, do you believe Jesus died on the cross or was again from the dead? She goes, Absolutely. I said, well, that's the work. I said, the work is the faith. Jesus did all the hard work so we could just step in. And she just stood there and just had her jaw open like, that's just too easy. I said, well, that's the truth. That's called grace. And so I said, are you ready? Today's the day of salvation. I just held up my hand and she just put her her hand in my hand and got saved. And I did break curses back to ten generations off her family line. I uh, did command spirits to depart from her; they would torment her, you know, permanently. And it was a really awesome moment. And then, and then, Cynthia, my wife, you know, counseled with her and talked to her in Spanish. And so that was really cool.
0: Family too. Her family. She oh. was the only. Yeah. Wasn't she the one? Her whole family was
4: saved, and they were yeah, waiting her for her. Yeah, her entire family was saved and praying for. Her. You know, so it just shows when you feel that leading, like telling yeah. you somewhere, you know, it's the prayers of the family. The Lord's honoring that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then real quickly, um, there was these Latin girls with their super long hair and beautiful, like Cynthia, handing out little uh, hair treatment packets. And so we sat and had lunch, and we're looking at these girls like, what are they handing out? You know, we're kind of critical of them at first, you know, is it something evil, you know? <laughs> And it's like, no, you know, they're handing out hair treatments. So I told Rory, I said, Rory, go give that girl a taco card and tell her her hair is absolutely gorgeous. I said, you're in like Flynn. So he did, and she goes,
0: oh, she, just,
4: she loved it. And uh, then that opened up the door for Cynthia, you know, because they all were, spoke Spanish really fluently. And she went and talked to him. And Cynthia went in and got a hair treatment, bought a lot of products. <laughs> Yeah, $350 worth of things. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I waited for that moment. And, but guess what? They said, we are all, on Sunday, we are off. There's the, the mall is closed. We we don't know what to do. We're all used to coming to work on Sunday. There's very few employees there. They all work, you know? There's not really lots of shifts. I said, we're all going to taco night. So it was kind of an awesome moment. That's know? awesome. Yeah.
0: And that story just goes to show you how easily it can be sometimes. It was, like, she was, that was a field that was ripe for harvest. And, and Dirk was obedient just to, to be a little bit bold or a lot bold. Oh, you, okay. I
1: have something to say about the boldness. Yeah. Because, you know, Dirk, he's always talking to everybody, but that's not me. Yeah. So, so I thought, well, I just go along with him. But in that moment, you know, it was just so easy. I don't know. Something came over me and it was so easy to just approach to people. I was surprised about myself too. You know, like I will talk to everybody. I will pray for people. And it just was, it felt so easy. You know, we were just having fun, you know, and yeah, you know, and that's something that it doesn't have to stop there, but it's something that you just can carry with you all the time, you know. Just just be friendly, just be yourself. And, yeah, yeah, that's all.
0: Thanks, Cynthia. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason that I had them share these stories is to encourage you that we did things that we do in normal life here in Fargo-Moorhead. They went to shops, they bought things, we ate things, we we, uh, walked, well, we don't have beaches here, but, things like beaches, I guess we have parks um, and we just, we just uh, let the Holy Spirit lead us and just amazing things happened. And there's more stories and we, we don't really have time for all of them here, um, but I just wanna encourage you uh, to talk to these students afterwards. And, and even um, Joe mentioned, we'll, we'll have some of the students up here uh, during altar time and let them pray for you. Let them pray that, that um, you would have a, a boldness like, like they demonstrated, or or let, let them pray for you for anything. But I wanted to take this time to, to celebrate with these guys, because I got to experience personally, I feel I was reflecting on it, what, what Jesus got to experience with the disciples, and I'm not Jesus, but I've been placed in a leadership role over them. And actually I feel like I learned as much from them as as they learned from me through all of it. But I wanted to celebrate these guys. I'm so proud of them. And I got to experience doing life with them, doing life as family. And we had, I think to me, some of the greatest things that we experienced is just conversations that we had, Um, things that we talked about, things that, we might've been struggling with in our own lives. And we're able to to talk to each other about them and and, and process through them and and do it together as family, to cook meals together as family, to share meals, to worship together and pray. And that's what discipleship is about. It's about doing life together. It's about loving one another so that we are equipped to love the world around us. And so I wanna just close and, and mention to you that, that discipleship is probably, you know, besides leading someone to Jesus, the most rewarding thing you can do as a Christian. It is so rewarding. It is so fun. And, and if you aren't in a relationship uh, of discipleship, whether discipling someone yourself or, or being discipled, I just, want, I just want you to go to the Lord with that and let him work on your heart to give you opportunity. And we'll talk throughout these other weeks, like, okay, how do you do this when life seems so busy and and all these different things? Uh, But his heart is for you to be discipled and for you to disciple others. He wants you in family, in in natural family and spiritual family, and discipleship is like family. So why don't you stand with me? We're gonna pray. If you guys want to move down those that that feel led to help with prayer team, we're gonna do that in a second. So. Before we go after some of the points I wanna pray over, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, like Dirk was just saying, today is the day of salvation. Today is your day of salvation. That's not by work, works. by grace through faith, the very gift of God, the very gift of God. And so all you have to do is (laughs) confess it with your mouth, believe in your heart that you are saved. (laughs) So if that's you, I just want to give a space, give a moment for you to talk to the Lord, to receive the free gift of salvation and to let his love pour into your life. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice for our lives. Thank you that you've saved us, that you've healed us, and that you've set us free, and that all the the darkness, all the sin that, that entered the world and that has been in our life is now washed away, that it's as white as snow, that it's white as snow, that, that we have been, been called the righteousness of Christ, and that, and that the veil was torn, that our the, the thing that blocked us from relationship with God, relationship with the Father is now opened up so that we can boldly go before the throne, throne of grace. We thank you for that, Jesus. So, I just want to encourage you if you were in that place and you if you opened your heart to Jesus today I'll come talk to one of the the people doing prayer up here in just a moment. I want to pray right now um, Jesus, I just pray that that any anyone who has had an experience of discipleship where there was control where there was even teachings that were, were off, where there, there might have been someone in, in, in a position of discipling that, that wasn't actually living a righteous life, walking as a Christian, and that caused hurt, that caused pain. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you come in this room and that you heal any of those experiences, God that you heal experiences of, of discipleship that was not not of you i pray for healing over those things and that hearts would be renewed and that would be open to entering into relationship and discipleship again And Father, I pray right now for those in this room, especially maybe of a younger generation who are looking for, for spiritual mothers and fathers, that they, they feel like they want to reach out, but they don't know who to or, or how to, but they, they want discipleship and they're looking for it. Father, I pray that you bring them fathers and mothers into their lives. Lord, and I pray for the, the older generation or even those who have been mature in their faith, God, that you would highlight ones that they would be, you would be, they would be drawn to, to ones to disciple, Father. And there would be discipleship through the generations. I pray for a connection even within this church right now, a, a generational connection a generational connection in the name of Jesus. That we would be a a model of discipleship as the body of Christ in this place. Thank you, Father. I just wanna pray right now for those that don't feel qualified. whether it's to to disciple someone else or just don't feel qualified in general. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you bring truth into their lives. Father, that having you is all they need to be qualified in all areas, qualified in their jobs, qualified to be a mom and dad in their families, qualified to to be a friend, qualified to to do different uh, aspects of leadership, qualified to disciple. They have you and they have the Holy Spirit and that's all they need. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you bring truth. And where there's lies, about not being good enough. God, I, I, I pray they'd be silenced in the name of Jesus right now. That they'd be silenced in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And So Father, I just pray a blessing in your room. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you fall on your people right now and whatever they need, whether it's um, physical healing, whether it's emotional healing, whether it's provision, whether it's restored relationships, whether it's just to hear your voice clearly in in a certain area of their lives. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come right now I pray that your manifest presence would be here, that your glory would fall. We are a temple. We are a dwelling place for you. And I pray that you would dwell among us right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to take one more minute to let him speak to you. Love for you pour in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We
4: hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com.